Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a bilingual neurolinguistic programming and cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling using the EFT method, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. I provide individual one-on-one sessions in both French and English, and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550, and our website can be found at lifecoach10amslag.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our sixth episode of season 14, a special guest and gender awareness expert, Savannah Hawk. And just like every of my past episodes, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Savannah, the floor is yours. Uh, thanks. Um, but I can't follow any of that introduction you did from yourself. That was pretty impressive, I have to say. Um, <laughs> that being said, my name is Savannah Hawk. I am a biological male, uh, gender diverse, dual gender person. I live a predominantly male life. Actually, I am in the car right now, I'm break from my job in male mode, uh, but I also have a very strong and very um, positive and very vocal and visual and public persona as Savannah Hawk. Um, I go and do podcasts. I've done two TEDx talks. Um, I write books, uh, self-help about gender diversity and kind of understanding who you are. Um, and yeah, just that's that's what I was have a podcast as well. So, you know, we match in that way. Again, still not as impressive credentials as you, Dr. Dan, but I will try to uh, hold my own with you as we go. Thank you so much for being on the show. And and like even with my, my credential, they call this as alphabet letters. Is <laughs> There's so many letters after my name, but it doesn't, you know, I lost track after a while. Um, <laughs> but let me let me ask you a few questions. Now, you said that you are. Uh, you, you wanted to be called Savannah, but you have mm-hmm. a male voice. You you pr- predominantly live your life as a male. So when do you start thinking that today I want to be a female? Well, I mean, it all, it, it all started once upon a time. It all started about five to six years old where I had uh, just a natural inclination to be attracted to what you know my sister was wearing and what my mother was wearing. Um, you know, looking at their body styles versus like who I was as a little boy. And, you know, that always stuck with me. Now it was my pre-adolescence. Um, and then when moving to, you know, adolescence, you know, I've, I borrowed things from both of their drawers and tried things on and put on the heels. And, you know, a lot of times it's very benign, you know, kids do that all the time. They dress up in their mom's heels and pray around the house. Cause they like to hear the clicking on the, on the carpet or on the hardwood. Uh, but for me, it wasn't that it was I knew even from an early age without really understanding it, I knew that that was part that was part of me that I just couldn't express or understand. So it took <laughs> years, years and years. It took to my mid 20s before I even while I was dressing feminine uh, periodically, but in secret and in the closet, as so many people do. It took my mid twenties and a move to New York City to recognize there were other people out there who were drag, who were gay, who were living a different lifestyle than I had known in the Midwest. You know, growing up in the seventies and eighties. So, in my mid twenties, I finally said, "I am a transvestite," which, as soon as I said the words, was kind of yucky in my mouth. Uh, so quickly moved to crossdresser, 
And that's, you know, both still had a lot of stigma to it. You know, anything that's tranny related in the 80s, 90s, very stigmatized. Um, you know, it's like a word that's being taken back. You know, we're taking back that word for ourselves. RuPaul is doing a great job of talking that talk and making it like our word. Um, so here I am now, 2023, uh, moved from New York City, uh, Long Island to the south of America. <laughs> and uh, where, you know, pretty conservative, Bible Belt, Baptist, everybody's carrying guns, Confederate flags, all those things that you're like, wow, this is probably not the place that Savannah wants to be. But it, in actuality, became enlightening because I couldn't hide in New York going to like private events or clubs or just things like in the, you know, in, in, at night and not in the daytime. I actually coming here opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, diversity was needed here and that I could be public. I could have a public face. I could, I just go out on Sundays, hashtag Savannah Starbucks Sundays, um, go out every Sunday as Savannah as my requisite day to do it. Just my routine to go to a coffee shop, do my work, do my writing, um, catch up on things, catch up with friends. And while I lead a very, male-centric life you know 90 percent of the time you know i spend the majority of my day on sundays as savannah being doing as much work as savannah as i do as as chuck so so what do you feel comfortable in savannah as savannah or as chuck both uh the only difference is is that when it's a question i get a lot because there's so much more effort put into being savannah you know, as a genetic male, you have to you have to know makeup. You have to have body shaping. You have to do a lot of things to make the presentation look as the ideal in your head of what you want to look like. And not only is that for feeling good about myself, but it's also an act of protection. It's a shield. The more passable, and this is a terrible thing to have to say, but the more passable and unclockable you are, the safer you are. So for me, that's very, very important to have that that shield that you know that that protection of being oh people walk past me and didn't even notice me so it's about standing out and blending in in the same breath mm -hmm. um so while it takes so much work to be savannah it is chuck has existed from birth right genetically male you go through life you don't really think about your yourself in that way you don't think about your identity you just are so for years and years and years, Chuck just was, Chuck just is, there's no, I don't have to prove myself to be a male, mm -hmm. but there's a lot to be done to get that same effect as in a feminine form. So I'm very comfortable in, in my male self, I, you know, I've got a little scruff on the face most times, uh, but Sunday comes, the razor comes out and, you know, the wig comes on, the heels go on and it's, it's, it's enlightening. It is, there's a different sense to that experience. Um, because it's almost like a dog that's crated that you let the dog out and they get to run around and they're very elated to be out. Uh, but yet a lot of times that crated dogs are very comfortable in their crates too. Even with the door open, that's like, they just enjoy that. Mm -hmm. So it's probably should be like referring myself to as a dog, but it's kind of allegorical of, you know, Savannah loves to live and loves to be, and loves to be out in the world. Like just being at home, like dressed up, you know, walking around the house is not going to make me feel like a real person. Mm -hmm. Whereas Chuck doesn't have any of those hangups about I can be at home all day. I can, you know, watch Netflix for 10 hours and be a couch potato. It doesn't matter because that's just Chuck is. 
But, you know, Savannah does have something to prove in a lot of ways and is very validating to be able to go out into the world and be seen as a real person. And that in and of itself, either where people ignore you or they compliment you or what, or people know you in both guises, it's very much fulfilling. And it, and it fulfills that feminine spirit that I need to express. So why, when did you get inspired to be called Savannah? Where did you get that name from? And was it because in Savannah, Georgia, or is it that has nothing to do with it? <laughs> uh, the second part, nothing to do with it. I just happened to come to a place where every other person's name is Savannah. Okay. Uh, but in New York in the 90s, I was looking for a name. And, you know, the old drag trope is like your first pet in the, the street you grew up on. And I always tell people I was never going to call myself Shaggy. So that was not going to work mm-hmm. um, as my first pet. So I was looking for something that was exotic feminine but not trampy you know nothing with like you know an i instead of a y kind of thing so i just didn't want like a, you know the typical jennifers or don i don't know it's just i wanted something a little more exotic so for whatever reason i'm just sitting at home one day and, and savannah popped in my head and i'm like that sounds perfect mm. so i'm going with that beautiful now let me ask you a question that may be very sensitive in nature okay okay um, which is still, and you know, as as me as a therapist, I need to understand that a little bit more. So let's say if someone is um, a male, okay, born male, um, they go through gender reassignment to become a female, but they're attracted to men. Does that make them gay because after the gender reassignment, or how does that work exactly? Because now they're female. And they're attracted to the opposite gender, which is male. Does that make them originally gay or not? Well, that is a very interesting question. It's very multifaceted. Mm-hmm. I will say for myself, one of the first of three questions I typically get, not now, but like in the past, is when you say you're a crossdresser, the first thing he assumes is like, oh, are you gay? You like men? And that's not true. I'm a heterosexual male. Mm-hmm. So in both guises, I'm attracted to women and the feminine. Um, In terms of your example, what you have to understand is, again, sexuality and gender are completely different things. They are corollary, not causary. Um, So you can't say, well, if biological male, therefore, if that was the case, then we'd have no gay men and no, you know, lesbian women. It would just be like you would always love the opposite sex. So in the case you're expressing where somebody was born male, transitioned, fully female, either pre-op, post-op, doesn't really matter, and they are now dating men, really two questions come to mind. One, you're assuming what they were prior to transition. You're making assumptions like, well, you were male, so therefore you like ladies. You know, that's the way it was. They're like, well, no, I always like men. You don't know that. Maybe they, at the biologically, they were homosexual. But once they transition and they know themselves to be a woman and they've known that their entire lives, but they were in the wrong body, then they were really always attracted to men. And as a woman in mind and spirit and now body, they're still heterosexual. Okay. 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 And then the second component is, well, when it grew up male in a very male centric, stereotypical, patriarchal, uh, you know, social acceptable they may have dated women because that was what they were supposed to do. And they may have, you know, uh, decided or not decided. They may have felt forced to, you know, I have to you know, be with a girl because that's what boys do all the while fighting their own identity 
gender wise about, but I'm in the wrong body. So every time they're with a girl, they felt like they were hetero, but yet also felt lesbian because in their, in their head, they were female, but you know, genitalia wise, they were male. So it's a very hard thing to even just take this one example and cookie cutter it into the right answer because everybody's experience of mind, body, spirit is so different. And the fact that just because you have genitalia of a certain type does not mean that that's indicative of what you like. And, you know, there's, it's like, you could just look at genitalia in animal kingdom and in humanity and know that not everything is shaped the same way. There's syndromes where you can have female genitalia, but you have no uh, vaginal canal to your uterus. You can have uh, people hormonally who don't have the right delivery system, who present completely as female, but are male genetically. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things at play that we can't just, you can't just take this one example and say, well, if this, then this, I don't understand because it's so much deeper. It's so much more faceted. Every, every person you could talk to would have a different story of like who they like, who they love, how they see themselves. Yeah. It, it's a myriad. Yeah. It can't nail it down that quick. So, but let's say we take the, the, one of the most common example that mo most people like relate to, which is Bruce Jenner and mm -hmm. change from male to female, but this is, in a permanent way. Um, mm -hmm. You said that you just do Savannah on Sunday. Um, <laughs> yeah. So do people say, well, how come you cannot make up your mind either go which one way or the other and not either part-time male and part-time female? So how does that affect you in terms of their, like if someone knows you and they see you down dressed as Savannah, will he call you Chuck because he knows you as Chuck or he'll call you Savannah? Uh, I get it in all ways. I'll, I'll answer the second part first, which is my co-host um, for my podcast, the Fox and Phoenix podcast, for anybody listening. <laughs> uh, a little self-plug there. Uh, she knows me and met me as Savannah. So okay. in, even when we're texting, even when we're talking on the phone, she calls me Savannah because that's how she, she knew me. That's how she was introduced to me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't take any offense, even if I'm dressed as Chuck and on the phone with her, she just kind of sees me as Savannah, whereas a lot of people who've known me as Chuck will only call me Savannah when I'm presenting as Savannah. You know, I went to uh, a Starbucks and they know me as Chuck and I went in as Savannah and she's like, hi, Chuck, because she didn't know my name as Savannah. So I went up to her and said, hey, just let you know when I'm dressed this way, you could just you could call me Savannah. So, oh, I didn't know your name. And I wasn't sure what to do. But she was just so excited to see me. I was just so happy that she knew me, which was just I always think is fun. Um, so sometimes it's just educational. Uh, but there are some people and you see it a lot, especially when with a parent or a sibling, uh, a lot of family members, sometimes coworkers and friends, where even if you tell them, OK, my pronouns are different now or if I'm dressed this way, please call me this way. And they won't do it. They won't respect who you are either because it's so muscle memory to call you a certain thing, Correct. which, which can be forgiven. Uh, there, there's like some weird formula that says for as many years as somebody has known you as one way, then they get an, a pass for like X number of days per the years. So like, if I know you for 10 years, you get 10 days to get it right kind of thing. Okay. Um, but some people just won't do it because they don't understand gender or they don't understand what it is you're, you're experiencing. So therefore they're just going to stick with what they're going to call you. And they're like, it is kind of un, 
sympathetic in a lot of ways. And sometimes it's ignorance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just they, they can't let go of that part or they can't expand beyond what they already know. So enough with the first question. <laughs> I forgot what the first question was. I went on so long. <laughs> well, the, the, the Bruce Jenner story about oh. him going full time into female. Um, mm-hmm. We have been, been asked, what about you going either full time, Chuck? Oh, right, right. Uh, Savannah. Um, yeah, you know, I struggled with that for years. Um, in the 90s, I found a quiz online and in the infant Internet. You know, it's like, how trans are you? And you see that a lot now. It's like you can take quizzes says, how trans are you? And um, at the time I took it and the questions were very pointed and repetitive. So you got a good, you know, if you answered yes the one way and no the other way, but the same question, um, they kind of they kind of get you a gotcha on that. Um, but they said I was right in the middle. And you have to remember transness and gender, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I don't have to be a woman with trans experience or a man with trans experience or I'm a trans man, trans woman. It's not just those things that get you to the cis normative again. It's 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 a galaxy in and around all that that you can be genderized. You could be agender, you could be demigender, you can be gray gender. There's so many things of like you could wake up one day and say, I'm going to be feminine. Or you're going to wake up and say, no, I really need to be male today. Um, a lot of it is is state of mind. But for me, I am very happy with my parts. I'm very happy with living my male life. And for me, it's just the ex- needed expression. And it doesn't have to be chemical, medical, surgical. I'm not looking to transition. It's just a matter of like, I would love it to be easier. I would love to be Savannah and not take as much work uh, <laughs> to do it. But barring that, it's just a matter of like, I do my best, I look my best I can, and go forward and just live and love that moment or those hours. Um, there are some weekends I don't do it, um, either sick or tired or just not in the mood. There's some days where I've gone to conferences and been Savannah for like five days straight, sun up to sun down. And by the time you're ready to go home, you're exhausted from being that person. Yes. Um, and it's not about being the person because I am... 50-50, Savannah and Chuck, feminine, masculine, that is my heart. It's like, it's always there. It's just a matter of like, yeah, I don't really want to put the effort in today to do that. And sometimes I get over it and I feel really good about the routine and ritual of becoming Savannah. But there are times I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I can do I can go without today. It's okay. But do you feel that in New York versus the South, do you feel that uh, in New York you were more apt to go out without judgment versus that you are now in the South or that has now not really bothered you in any shape or form? I would say uh, even when I was in New York, I spent many years in the closet and did not go out. And it partially is because of the relationship I was in and they were disapproving and kind of really just invalidated me. And I just, you know, to keep the peace, I kept it at, you know, in the closet as deep as I could. Then eventually I'm like, why? I mean, there's people out there, there's places I can get makeovers, I can go out to clubs and events, and I just decided enough, enough for somebody else I need to start doing for me. But there's still plenty of fear stepping out for the first time in New York. doesn't mm-hmm. matter that it's liberal as a state or as a county. There's still people with transphobia. There's still people who are going to accost you. There's still threats. There's still leering. There's still plenty of things that you can be fearful of. So I had that eventually got over it made sure i was in safe places made sure i was with friends made sure you do all those things to keep yourself safe and protected uh coming down here though i spent six months like terrified 
I mean, I'd spent years up in New York just going out, doing my thing, and come down here, I was instantly back in the closet for fear of what might happen in this conservative Bible Belt. Um, then I realized I was just as much wrong about the people I was seeing as I thought they might feel about me. Mm-hmm. It was, I really didn't, I have not once had anything more than maybe a triple take, a triple look at me. Nobody's ever come up to me and given me a problem. Nobody's ever said anything untowards to me. And I know it exists, but apparently where I sit and where I go, nobody really minds. So I've actually been proven completely wrong about how the South would accept me. And I've met beautiful people here, um, lovely organizations, and everybody I've met has just been been a blessing, honestly. Have you found a community of people that do, that actually share between the male and female, uh, I would say, mindset? Not, not as much, honestly. I mean, New York, absolutely. is a whole. It was a whole community uh, that you could reside in. Down here, cross-dressing is a little more closeted. Uh, as you know, no pun intended, but you don't find it. You don't find the people like out and about as much. You do, but not in mass. So I actually, when I came down here and finally realized I needed to step up and look elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know, I was w- looking at P Flag, looking at meetup groups, looking at uh, other queer communities um, beyond just cross dressing or beyond just what people consider dual gender or bi gender. And I found a plethora of people and just opened my horizons. Is such a massive like group of people, so positive and like in the community, doing good work. And it was if I had just relied on finding somebody like me exactly, I would have found three people. But now I know hundreds of people. You know, old gay men, parents of trans kids, um, you know, uh, trans masculine individuals. We just went to dinner last night with my girlfriend. And a trans masculine uh, person with pronouns they, them, and their mother. And we had a beautiful dinner together, just out and about in the restaurant. So, yeah, it's like, it's amazing what you can find when you stop looking in one direction only. So, when you go out with your significant other, do you go out as Chuck or Savannah, or you alternate? Alternate. Like last night was a Chuck night, only because of timing to get home from work and then get to the restaurant. But yeah, there's been times where we've gone out for a birthday or a holiday, excuse me, a holiday event. And, you know, I dress as Savannah just as like, you know, gift for me and a gift for my girlfriend. Um, But but most time it's Chuck only typically just because of timing. It's like, it's hard to like spend 90 minutes, you know, get home, spending nine minutes, get ready just to be out the door again. So that's why Sundays are easier. You get up, you decide what you want to do. You have more of the day ahead of you without a lot of, uh, you know, things to be scheduled against you. So, yeah, it just makes it easier. But here's the one good thing. One benefit is that you double your wardrobe when you dress up <laughs> because you could use your girlfriend uh, clothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I pulled a couple pieces. She's given me a couple things. Okay. She is much more uh, statuesque and slender than me. So, it's a hard no on many things, uh, but there, but there are certain things that we can share a uh, makeup too. We borrow back and forth when need be. Uh, so that's a win, but yes, my closet does have a full Chuck wardrobe and a full Savannah wardrobe. So she kind of is like, you know, you take away more closet space than I do. She says, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's true. Can't help that. So what book did you write? Uh, uh, Savannah in, in terms of like d- describing your story 
or trying to uh, to kind of like express to the world what people like you are going through in their lives when they're just kind of like uh, tilting in between the female and the male? Uh, yeah, I wrote two books so far. I actually have two more hopefully coming out this year. <clears throat> but the first book was really an essentially a primer for relationships. And by that, I mean that this was when me and my current girlfriend were just dating. I told her right away about Savannah because um, I was very confident in who I was. And it was about her coming to terms with what Savannah means in a relationship. And it's still ongoing. We still go through our ups and downs. But that first book was a direct result of her not finding any resources specific to a non-transitioning gender diverse person. Okay. She would find a lot of stuff that started talking cross-dressing, and then eventually every one of those anecdotes led to transition. So then I was fighting an uphill battle as she's reading those books. She says, well, this book says you're going to transition. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm good as I am. No, no, no. The book said. And I'm like, so that was actually a detriment to me because there was no resource. So the first book, we did interviews with couples, uh, four different couples. Uh, so it became like three sections of book. It became... The types of cross-dressers, just kind of a general study of cross-dressing and like what would make you want to cross-dress, like, um, you know, escapism, dressing to de-stress, people who dress, uh, you know, to get off, people who just want to be girl next door, all those things. Then the second part was the stories, uh, the kind of fictionalized anecdotes of these um, couples and like late life discoveries, like been married 30 years and then they come out as a cross-dresser um, or as gender diverse. Um, then it was my story and some of my girlfriend's story. And then um, just a little like, you know, how, how to like make it work, how to really be okay with somebody who's, who's not what you expected when you got together kind of thing. Uh, so that's book one, Living with Cross-Dressing, that was um, defining a new normal. And the second book, which I should have written first, is more about is more expanded about the type of cross-dressing but really more about like how could me how could i as a gender diverse individual be able to have that conversation confidently with a partner or with anybody so like i kind of like put the cart before the horse right it's like hey you're in this relationship it's okay it'll be okay but what i didn't do is let the cross-dressing gender diverse individual say Oh, how do I get there? How do I get to that level of confidence to be okay with me, stand up for my needs, stand up for my identity, be proud of who I am in a vacuum where there may be no validation, maybe no support. Uh, you know, Maslow's pyramid, mm -hmm. you know, talks about you need to have shelter, security, community, right. uh, then you know, things to do to like excel. And then once you hit the the pinnacle, it's all about self-actualization. Now we know that's a Western culture motif, but it kind of it kind of like made me think is like, well, how could somebody like me do get to self actualization without having support, without having security, without having community? How do you get? To, yeah, like how do you jump up the levels without actually having the, those foundational pieces? So the second book really kind of revolved around that in a way of like this is how you can discover yourself and have confidence in yourself. If you do self-analysis, self-discovery, just introspection, mm -hmm. all those things that I really didn't talk about in the first book is what really jumped out at me in the second book. So where can people find your podcast? Uh, well, as you would probably say, you can find my podcast anywhere you have streaming media. 
<laughs> um, we are on several platforms, um, you know, Spotify, our radio, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, um, all the biggies, right? Um, it is called the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast. It is myself uh, living and talking about my experiences and my thoughts. And I have a uh, cis female co-host who's actually an ally to the community who does styling books and tries to like, how, how do you get you to look the best you can look as a trans person uh, going out in the world or even just for yourself? And so uh, she connected with me, you know, a long time ago. And we, you know, she says, I want to do a project with you. And it morphed into this. So we are, uh, I mean, I, I can't say we have 14 seasons like you, <laughs> but I can say that we're 120 episodes in. Wow. Okay. That's so I can say that. <laughs> beautiful. Well, Savannah slash Chuck, uh, that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. And thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story. Now, we hope that you've all enjoyed today's episode. And I'm also very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season 14 of the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. It is not possible to preserve one identity by adjusting for any length of time to a frame of reference that is in itself destructive to it. It is very hard indeed for a human being to sustain such an inner split, conforming outwardly to one reality while trying to maintain inwardly the value it denies. Some people who experience themselves as gender diverse, but don't identify or express this in ways obvious to others, recognize their gender privilege. Most have experienced gender conditioning so young, which research shows it begins in infancy stage, that we misunderstand the relationship between nature and nurture, culture and biology, fitting in and being oneself. Nowadays, we're assigning gender even before birth. We have become socially conditioned to participate in the gendering of children at the earliest possible moment, whenever a sonogram can identify its genitalia. Gender reveal parties have become a trendy way to celebrate the child's faith, steering them down a life of masculine or feminine ideals before even meeting them. That is no longer an acceptable behavior in today's society. My name is Dr. Dan Emzelag, and you may all stay, keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.